You are listening to I Doubt It with me, your host, Jesse Dolliman, a podcast dedicated to free-thinking discussion, ideas, skepticism, but most importantly, a good time. Jesse Dallimore, who is surrounded by judgmental pricks. <laughs> Sitting across from me is my lovely yet super judgmental co-host, Brittany Page. Yep. <laughs> Accurate. And, and in studio with us today is the venerable Brett McAfee of Religious Roundup fame. Hey, I'm glad to be here on the uh, Religious Roundup. <laughs> <laughs> you got fucking canceled. <laughs> So, <laughs> so uh, the phone number is 657-464-7609. That is the number to which you would leave your voicemail. You would. If you were going to do that. Yeah. People have done it. Uh, we, have, we are on iTunes. We love and beg for your reviews or for your, if your mom has an iTunes account, you'd like to maybe have her leave a quote unquote review. Mm-hmm. That would be acceptable. As long as it's not laden with profanity, we would love your review because if it is any profanity at all, iTunes will not allow it because apparently they are prudish pricks, much like the judgmental assholes who surround me right now. We are prudish pricks? Well, you're judgmental. Yeah. Which would mean you don't allow for others to act a certain way that you don't, don't agree with. Mm, mm-hmm. I'm fucking trying to formulate an argument. It's just not really working out. It's not. So dollamore.com is the other thing we always beg you. There is a link there with an Amazon search bar. If you would like to buy a book or furniture for your house, which I'm sure they do, it is there for the taking, and it would go a small way toward... Supporting the show, helping us recoup the costs that are involved in making this fine, perfectionist, professional podcast. Mm-hmm. How's that? It's really good. I know. Perfectionist. <laughs> so, a lot going on today. I've got uh, Brittany's birthday was on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And my birthday is this coming Friday. So you could very well be listening to the show on my birthday, the 27th of June, which was kind of celebrating my birthday in a small way. Yeah. So thank you for that. I mean, really celebrating my birthday would be going to the page and buying maybe me a present on Amazon. Yeah. But, you know, if you're cheap, you can just listen to the show, I guess. that's That works, too. Yeah. They so, missed my birthday, so they can buy something on Amazon for me as well. Oh, you could do that. Yeah. You don't really have to. I mean, Just throwing that out there. Buying it for for Dollamore would be good enough. No, because so. I'm a co-host. So So we've got, we've got a bunch of people coming into town this weekend. Brett r- arrived early to do the show, and we are – this next episode is going to be a good one. We're going we're gonna to have some – we have some fun stuff planned, and uh, this one will probably be pretty good. Meh. 
It's we, not off to a great start. We, we will see. So, Kim Jong-un is in the news. He apparently is a little bit hurt, butt hurt, if you will, about the, a new movie that Seth Rogen and James Franco are doing. The movie, slated for release later this year, stars Seth Rogen and James Franco, who attempt to assassinate North Korean leader Kim Jong-un after landing an interview with the despot. The North Korean government has promised a merciless retaliation against the United <laughs> States if this movie is released, calling I, the film an act of war. I don't think that little butterball knows how it shit works. Uh oh, well, wait, I better be careful with my words, otherwise it might be declaring war on his defunct, insane bullshit that he's got going on over there. That's the thing. It's not that he's going to, you know, kill Seth Rogen or James Franco. I, it's I, against the United States, listen, he's saying. I don't know that I would put it past that little freak to do something like that. Uh, I was talking to Brett earlier while we were purchasing copious amounts of alcohol at the store and uh i'm just giving you an insight into my life see let's see how i do that yeah that was really good just peppering peppering my story with a little personal vignette mm -hmm. it's good yeah so, so we were talking about how if i were james franco one i'd be sad because he's kind of a weirdo uh or if i was uh the rogan guy the unfunny rogan guy i would be a little paranoid i think yeah, a little bit. Because who knows what Dennis Rodman's best friend might do. Yeah. He, I mean, listen, if you're nutty enough to the one American that you choose to have over to dinner all the time is Dennis fucking Rodman, there's a screw loose. There's a switch flipped off that, or maybe it's flipped on, there's just no power to the house, you know? Yeah, well, hopefully Seth Rogen is best friends with Dennis Rodman and can send him over there to sweet-talk him a little Another bit. Another diplomatic mission. Yeah. Yeah, that, that would be good. Yeah. So, apparently, we are declaring war as a nation by allowing this movie to go forward. I love that they, Kim Jong-un and his government, refer to Seth Rogen and James Franco as gangster movie makers. <laughs> right. What's What's very funny to me is the fact that King, Kim Jong-il, um, King Kim Jong-un's father, was a rabid movie fan. Oh, really? Yeah, he... American movie fan? Yes, and he fancied himself a connoisseur of movies. He, he was a weirdo about American cinema. What were his favorites? Do you know? Uh, I, I don't know. So they went on to say that the act of making and screening such a movie that portrays an act an attack on our top leadership is an act of terror and an act of war, and it is absolutely intolerable. So if North Korea is the place to be. If only George Bush were around to say, fucking bring it on, like he did in that one press conference. That would be awesome. Oh, yeah? Al-Qaeda? Bring it on. Goading them to, to attack, because fuck that guy. What, what is he going to do? He can't even feed his military. He's go we're going to be threatened by him. Great haircut, though. It's a pretty sweet haircut. Yeah. Yeah. Phenomenal. So in other news, other idiot world leaders, uh, Hillary Clinton uh, just finished her book tour and apparently didn't get the message the first time when she said, well, I tell you what, I'll just, I'll remind you of what she said 
last time that uh, got Brittany all fired up? Well, if, if you, you have no reason to remember, but we came out of the White House not only dead broke, but in debt. Uh, we had no money when we got there, and we struggled to you know, piece together the resources for mortgages, for houses, for Chelsea's education. You know, it was not easy. Yeah, dead broke. And we went on to talk about the, you know, more than one house that they purchased oh. and owned. Um, what a coincidence that you mentioned that. First of all, we had to pay off all our debts, which was, you know, you had to make double the money because of obviously taxes and then pay off the debts and get us houses and take care of family members. But She's a regular American. You know, we had to pay off all our debts and, you know, to be able to buy us houses. <laughs> it's, it, yes. It's, it's, a we it's a weird kind of out of touch, though, because they didn't grow up wealthy. I think she came from a, a relatively well-off family, upper middle class, maybe. But Bill Clinton was a toothless hillbilly raised by his, by his grandma. So he, they didn't actually own a home. He was really a toothless hillbilly? Yeah, those are dentures. He oh, okay, wow. <laughs> so those, uh, he, they didn't even own a home until they left the White House. That house in Chappaqua, New York, was their very first home. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I, I say that to give them a little bit of credit that they are kind of everyday folks. However, to say that they were dead broke when he walked out of there making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year and being able to give half-hour speeches, or for Bill Clinton, hour-and-a-half-long speeches, because there's no such thing as a fucking half-hour speech in the world of Bill Clinton. Yeah. Um, but he's making two hundred and fifty to five hundred thousand dollars a speech. That's it's a little out of touch to say or to try to align yourself with everyday Americans when that's the case. So she's in new hot water because she didn't learn from the firestorm the previous week. She wanted to clarify her comments and I'll let CNN explain it. To Hillary Clinton, that she's done with her book tour in the big media blitz, but some interviews are still coming out, and she, uh, to borrow a term from Rick Perry, uh, stepped in it again. Remember, she said she left the White House, she was dead broke. She had to clean that one up. Well, in an interview with The Guardian, she was asked if she's part of the problem, if voters will look at her as part of the problem when they're discussing income inequality issues. Here's what Hillary Clinton said. They don't see me as part of the problem because we pay ordinary income tax, unlike a lot of people who are truly well off. Unlike a lot of people who are truly well off because i guess you're not truly well off until you're worth 120 million when you're worth 100 million dollars you're not quite truly well off yeah she goes on to say unlike a lot of people who are truly well off not to name names and we've done it through dint of hard work so she's maybe she's just stuck on the fact that they didn't inherit it and that they earned it but you're still well off so right it doesn't matter how you came to have the money. I mean, we get it, but you're well off. Well, there's this weird retreat that happens with, with Democrats especially, uh, and liberal Democrats moreover, that they want to run away from or hide or be a chameleon of sorts relative to their wealth. She, she I don't think privately and personally is embarrassed of her wealth, but she's embarrassed. She has this weird white guilt thing going on where she's embarrassed to be super wealthy so she wants to be quiet and hide it but you don't have to apologize hillary for being super wealthy 
good for you. I believe you did work hard. I believe that your husband did work hard. Yeah. I might not have agreed with all of your husband's policies, but he was a good fucking president. He likes the strange a little bit too much, and he likes dirty fat girl snooch, but... Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. Well, it was dirty after he got done with it. God damn. Uh, hey, come here, Monica. Here we there. <laughs> fucking hillbilly Joe over there. Definitely a toothless hillbilly voice. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> so, so there's nothing to be ashamed of is what I'm saying relative to their wealth. Um, what bothers me about this, even the gaffe and the fucking up a second time and putting her foot in her mouth. It, it's also, well, there's two things. One is the fact that they've clearly taught their daughter to be stupid as well because chelsea recently she's quoted as saying that something about trying do you have the quote yeah quote i was curious if i could care about money on some fundamental level and i couldn't yeah i tried to care about money i really tried to but i'm just too pollyanna it just doesn't matter to me yeah says the person who has a cupcake six hundred thousand dollar a year job who married a fucking hedge fund manager. It's it's easy to not care about money when you've grown up in privilege and you've grown up wealthy. It's very easy. It's You'll never hear a poor person say, oh, well, money can't buy you happiness. You know what? Fuck you. Yeah, seriously. It, Dave Chappelle said it really well when he was on Letterman the other night. And he said, look, to a degree, he says... A guy, if I'm worth $10 million and I'm sitting in a restaurant and across the restaurant is a guy worth $100 million, he says, and we're both eating the same entree, to a degree, it's true. Being wealthy is just, it's wealthy. But he goes, the difference between having $10 million and $50 million, it's other than $40 million, it's, it's fucking, it's not that big a deal. But when you're fucking broke, who said it? it was it Chris Rock? Oh, about the OJ thing, about about giving half your money. He goes, look, if you're worth thirty million and you got to give half to your wife, you still got fifteen million. But if you make thirty thousand and you got to get half to your wife, that bitch might have to die. So it, it's the same kind of a con it's a sideways way to look at it. But it's a, it when you're fucking broke as shit and you don't have money, you don't think, oh, money. Ah, oh, it's only money. You only say. I don't care about money when you've got fucking stacks and stacks of money that you dive into like you're fucking Scrooge McDuck. Yeah. And she just bought a $10.5 million apartment in, in 2013 with her husband mm. and in New York city. It's always people who come from money that have these ideas that money doesn't matter or that money's not that important. She's never had to deal with a situation where she's unsure if she'll make her house payment. She doesn't know how she's going to eat for the next week or pay for her Columbia Education. Exactly. Her parents are worth $100 million. If something happens to her, her husband leaves her and she still has her education to fall back on, which they paid for. You know, it's just she doesn't understand how to relate to people who have no money. So that's why she's speaking like that. Yeah. She just she doesn't get it. Yeah, it's well, especially for. So that's 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 one other issue or one other angle on this that bothers me. The other angle that bothers me a lot is the fact that. I don't know that Hillary Clinton is ready for prime time. I don't know that she's ready to be president or she's skilled enough. I think she's fucking rusty 
because Bill Clinton would have never made these mistakes. Bill Clinton is a master politician, the likes of which we've not seen for probably a hundred fucking years. Did you know that he has gone and defended her, defended well, her comments? He has to. And the reason he comes to her defense is because he's the Teflon Don. Nothing sticks to good old fucking Slick Willie. So when, <laughs> wow. When he, when he, well, that's, I didn't make that up. That's. I know. I'm still impressed with your tone and everything. It was really good. Can I be impressed? No. Okay. I want you to be judgmental. Sorry, that was terrible. Because yeah, your judgment makes me feel comfortable yeah. because it's what I know. Okay. Sorry. Your judgment is like Chelsea Clinton's stacks of cash. Yeah. I'll just fall right back into place. <laughs> So it, it makes me wonder if she's if she's ready for the for the spotlight, because being secretary of state's a big deal. But being president of the United States is a completely different deal. And, it you know, she's going to have to get her ducks in a row if this is the way she's going to run a campaign, because I don't think she'll even uh, win the nomination. Yeah. So Hill. she probably will, though. Hillary, so let's just... I know you're listening because I know you're a big fan. Uh, get your shit together, girl. Girl, mm, mm, mm. I'm snapping and head cocking and. <laughs> Excuse me, madam. Um, I think you should probably get your shit together. <laughs> so moving on, and this is going to be super brief. I just wanted to rant about it because it's been fucking bothering me a lot lately, uh, the last few days. Um, it, it relates to the 300 military advisors that we're sending to Iraq. Um, Obama had made a pledge that we are not going to send troops in. We're not going to send troops in. And I saw a lot of activity over social networking that people were bothered that, that we sent troops to help out get our, our people out of the embassies. I didn't have a problem with that. Those aren't ground troops in, a, in, a, in an aggressive combat role. But when you send 300 military advisors, these aren't like CIA. These are active duty bulk. The bulk of these people will be enlisted grunts, special forces, albeit still grunts. They're going to go in and even if they're in advisory role, they're in harm's way. They are going to be in a combat. They're not sitting around with rifles with fucking blanks in them. These guys are going to be in a combat capacity, and it's it's fine if you do it, but don't say you're not going to do it, and then do it, and then call them something that they're not. These fuckers aren't advisors. These are combat specialists who are going into Iraq. So, shame on you, Barack Obama. Once again, you're running a failed fucking administration from top to bottom. Ouch. Yeah, it's the way it is. So... As a listener of the show, it seems like this would be where you would see what like I mean I don't know, but if I was listening to it, I would fully expect it to fucking succeed. <laughs> All right, well, in honor of Brett, Barack Obama, fuck you. <laughs> so we're gonna stick with politics, and we're gonna move on to North Carolina, which you know is going to be good because North Carolina is practically the little brother of Florida in their bullshit, discriminatory politics. It's been in their constitution that you couldn't, if you were white, you couldn't marry a black person and vice versa. It's completely backwards ass bullshit. They were a traitor to our nation when the civil war happened and they decided to join the Confederacy. I mean, 
they get a big CeeLo. So recently, uh, State Representative Paul, and this is another thing, anybody whose nickname is Skip, (laughs) goddamn, I mean, come on. Anyways, Paul Stam is his name, S-T-A-M. He is facing a primary battle right now, I think. And even if he's not, when he gets into the general election, he for sure needs to fucking go. As North Carolina lawmakers debated a proposal to prevent charter schools from discriminating against applicants based on sexual orientation, one representative suggested Tuesday that sexual adult sexual attraction to children is a sexual orientation just like homosexuality. The amendment was tabled by Republicans, preventing a vote on it, but during the debate, Republican Representative Paul Stam, Skip, said pedophilia, masochism, and other illegal sexual practices are sexual orientations like homosexuality, and he questioned the role adults who are sexually attracted to children might have in the schools. The amendment from Representative Susan Fisher, who is a Democrat, would, quote, prohibit a charter school from discriminating on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity. In response, Skip handed out a sheet listing what he said were 30 different sexual orientations. He argued the definition of sexual orientation must be narrowed, otherwise it would include masochism, sadism, pedophilia, along with homosexuality and heterosexuality. Quote, Sexual orientation is not defined anywhere, he said. Many, many sexual orientations are not the ones you want to have teaching kids in school, he said. You may think you know what you mean by this, but you don't. (laughs) I think he can take his own advice there. Yeah. So what Skip, there's a couple things I want to say about this. One is, I don't believe, well, Skip Stam, Paul Stam might just be a a man from the backwoods of North Carolina and just be a simple cousin fucker. That might be true. (laughs) However, I think what he's doing is purely politics. I think by, because any right-minded person is going to vote for some kind of an amendment that would prohibit discrimination based on sexual orientation, that you shouldn't be able to be discriminated against based solely on the fact that you were born gay. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a rational, reasonable uh, outlook to have. But what he's doing here is he's posturing this as if you, if we can't define sexual orientation, which, for the record, we can. If we can't define it, then we also, if we, if we include protections for homosexuals, we also have to include protections for pedophiles. And... What he does is he kills two birds with one stone. One, people who were going to vote for it aren't going to vote for it now because they're scared off because no one wants to vote for protections for pedophiles. And that would be a rallying cry for Tea Party nutballs yeah. to say, oh, well, he voted, he voted to protect the rights of pedophiles. Well, yeah. well that's not what happened. So the, the other thing he does is he makes the waters murky and cloudy related to the marriage, the the right for gays to marry. Because he also says, well, if, I mean, he's, by saying this, he's indicating that what I'm getting ready to say. He's not saying it out loud, even though he probably has in some church or something. It's that 
if we allow homosexuals to marry, then the next step is to allow a man to marry a six-year-old boy, which is the same thing that the morons like Rick Santorum say things like, well, what's next? A man marrying his Labrador retriever? <laughs> That's not really a Rick Santorum voice. No, nah, it he, could be. He's more like this. What's next? A man marrying a Labrador retriever? When I see him, I think of like Lurch think, or Frankenstein. I think the former was more accurate. Yeah. Though. Yeah. So it's it's strictly politics. I mean, I, I, I truly believe this guy might really believe that being a pedophile is the same thing as being a homosexual. Yeah. But that just proves how wildly unintelligent he is. Well, and the thing, the people that make those arguments that, well, you're going to have homosexuality and then the next thing is someone marrying a kid. Well, kids can't give consent. In a it's homosexual true. relationship, there's consent. So that's the big difference there. But he says that um, sexual orientation can't be defined. So on the American Psychological Association's website, sexual, sexual orientation is defined as an enduring pattern of emotional, romantic, and or sexual attractions to men, women, or both sexes, and also refers to a person's sense of identity. So on the website, it also says that pedophilia is a mental disorder and that sex between adults and children is always wrong and that acting on pedophilic impulses is and should be a criminal act. So that's, that's the uh, American Psychological Association, not just Skip's mouth well that's th that's the that's the problem here is that these these ah, fuck i'm i'm trying to keep it civil um okay well i tell you what here's the most civil thing cunts like paul stam oh dear <laughs> they they always talk about science and they want to define terms with science but they don't pick up a fucking science textbook. They don't do any research related to what's scientific. They just spew bullshit and try to convince others who also, I mean, his, his wildly unwashed electorate, North Carolina, I mean, one state away from where Pew Boy was. And he's, it's not easy to fool these people, I guess. Maybe that's me being prejudiced, but I lived in North Carolina for many years while I was a Marine in the Marine Corps. <laughs> not not in the Navy. Yeah, I'm gonna edit no. that out, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so that that is the interesting thing because he handed them a, a checklist with thirty sexual orientations on it. Where did he get the checklist? What are the thirty sexual orientations? If you open up a textbook um, the things that he was calling sexual orientations, masochism, sadism, those things are known as paraphilias. Well, what's great is, I'm sorry, hold your spot there. It's, you don't even have to do something as difficult, Skip, as opening up a textbook. You can just fucking type into your computer that is connected to the tubes, and it'll come back very quickly with your answer. Right. So paraphilias, a condition in which a person's sexual arousal and gratification depend on fantasizing about and engaging in sexual behavior that is atypical and extreme. A paraphilia can revolve around a particular object, children, animals, underwear, or a particular act, inflicting pain or exposing oneself. And the DSM-5, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, um, hopefully I can just start calling it the DSM soon, 
which is the Bible for the psychiatric and psychology industry, um, they created paraphilic disorders in the DSM-5, the latest um, install version. installment, yeah, whatever. The latest version. And one of the characteristics of paraphilic disorders, which includes pedophilia, is having a sexual desire or behavior that involves another person's psychological distress, injury, or death, or a desire for sexual behaviors involving involving unwilling persons or persons unable to give legal consent. So this right. is a disorder. This is not a sexual orientation. And that's this is based on studies. So, right. you know, it's I don't understand what his 30 list sexual orientation thing is. I mean, what what is he talking about? So Where do you get it? The scientific community has come to a consensus on this that that is not a sexual orientation. No. Yeah. It's a sexual compulsion, maybe, or a problem, but it is certainly not something that d that demands or would confer to um, protection under the law at all. Mainly because you are victimizing someone who cannot give consent and doesn't agree to the relationship based yeah. on their age. Like, yeah. Fuck. Exactly. So... For those of you who live in the Wake Forest, Wake County, I believe is his area in North Carolina, Representative Republican Paul Skip Stam needs to go because he's a DB. Yeah, he's a DB. That's actually where I should have gone. Yeah. Yeah. DB. I'm not going to apologize for my you know what? aforementioned it's, uh, adjective. It's I doubt it with Dollamore. It so. is I doubt it with Dollamore. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the cunt hour, but it's I doubt it with Dollamore. Yikes. <laughs> so speaking of DBs, <laughs> uh, Bob Jones University is under fire once again. Uh, this might be the only time that we'll ever have a clip from Al Jazeera America, but actually they're turning out to be a relatively reputable news source they're doing some pretty good stories so yeah um despite what you would hear in fox news it's not uh al-qaeda network it's actually just a network that is from there from yeah. the middle east so what they did was expose the way that bob jones university which is a christian fundamentalist university has been dealing with rape cases and it's not very good yeah i was gonna say and if you're wondering it's not the right way. Yeah. <laughs> and when I say Christian fundamentalist school, I mean no TV, no hand-holding, no music. Well, no, you can have music, just not secular music. Yeah. And I'm sure you can watch TV as long as it's fucking TBN or some other indoctrination hour. Yeah, they teach a literal interpretation of the Bible and separation from the world. So I guarantee you... They're, it's kind of like telling a joke about the Amish on TV that they're never going to hear it anyway, so it doesn't really matter. We can talk about Bob Jones University all day long because these whack jobs are never going to hear it because this is the world. And their ears might just fall off if they hear the word cunt. Yeah, so that would be the third time they would hear it, too, so yeah. that's a bad sitch. Yeah. Um, so this, the first story we're going to talk about is Katie Landry, who went to Bob Jones University, and she, she was a very sheltered kid. She hadn't even held hands with a boy when at age 19 she was raped. She was raised in a very conservative Mennonite family. If you've ever gone out and you see um, a family out and all the women have the little bonnets and they look like they're from Little House on the Prairie, 
and then the dads are just in like jeans and a polo. Those are typically either um, United Pentecostal or or Mennonite. It's one of those type of sects, um, not sex s e x, but s e c t sect. Uh, and that was good. Very very conservative. Um, very. Back- oh really? I thought they were flaming liberals. Yeah yeah, they love gay marriage. Uh, very 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 conservative. Very um, oppressive for the women. You know they're subservient to their husbands. They submit to the authority of the man. Well, that's evident in the way they handled the the rape case. Abs- absolutely. So Al Jazeera America, they did a two-part series. And uh, part two is not out yet, but uh, the first part of it, she tells her story relative to her rape and then the treatment when she went to go get counseling. Um, when she, When she went to go get counseling for it, uh, when she joined the university. Landry's assault did not take place on campus. She was 19 and working for an ambulance company in Columbus, Ohio, when she says her supervisor raped her. One evening while counting supplies in the back of an ambulance, she says she felt the prick of a needle. I just couldn't move anything. And he came over and um, he took my clothes off and um, I could still speak, so I was telling him no. And um, he, he raped me, and my eyes filled with tears, but I couldn't, I couldn't brush the, the tears away. Scared to tell anyone, Landry returned to work. I had five more shifts, three out of those five shifts. He raped me again. And two weeks later, I left for my freshman year at Bob Jones University. Raised in a conservative Mennonite family and afraid of her attacker, Landry kept her rape a secret until her junior year at Bob Jones, when she finally sought help. She was referred to Jim Berg for counseling, the dean of students at the time. He asked me if I'd been smoking pot. And I really, I I started to get this almost dizzy feeling. And then he asked me if I'd been impure with this man, had I had relations with this man. And I kept telling him no to all these questions, but he either didn't believe me or he hadn't heard or he wasn't going to help me. And he said, we have to find the sin in your life that caused your rape. So she goes on to say that he had just confirmed her worst nightmare, that it was something she had done. It was something about her. It was her fault. I mean, it's just it's unbelievable that someone that's counseling somebody that's a rape victim would say, well, we need to find the root of the problem within you. Right. Let's let's get to the bottom of this. Let's find out what the root of the problem is. What's wrong in your life? What's wrong in your life that would cause you to be victimized by a fucking monster? Yeah, she said that she didn't know the word rape. She only knew adultery, and she liked the man's wife, the man that raped her. She liked his wife, and she was afraid of her attacker, deeply ashamed, and she ended up failing most of her classes in her first semester, and she just was doing very terribly mentally, so that's why she wanted to get help, and that's what she was seeking. She just needed help, and that's the kind of help that they provide at Bob Jones University. This is – it's emblematic of the type of attitude that is is, um, displayed and practiced at Bob Jones. Um, They used to have a guy on the board – whose name is Dr. Charles Phelps. And he had another issue related to this very type of thing in his congregation. And this just kind of goes to show the mindset 
at Bob Jones that they allow a guy like Charles Phelps on the board of directors. Yeah, related to that issue, this this Chuck Phelps situation, uh, Tina Anderson was only 15 when she said she was forced to stand terrified before her entire Baptist congregation to confess her sin. She had become pregnant. What she wasn't allowed to tell the group was that the pregnancy was the result of being raped by a church deacon, a man twice her age. She says that Chuck Phelps told her she was lucky not to have been born during Old Testament times when she would have been stoned to death. It's awesome. Very forward-thinking, very modern, uh, very compassionate. I'm sure he probably wears a what-would-Jesus-do bracelet with pride. Um, The other thing related to this story about the Chuck Phelps guy is that he also made the rapist stand before the congregation and can and um, admit his sin except he didn't have to admit raping the young girl he just had to admit that he had committed adultery that was it it's this very prevalent attitude in ultra orthodox if you will christian communities and and uh, churches that has a backwards view of and everybody knows how much i have problem i have with the with the phrase sexual assault because it's far more than just sexual assault. It is you're stripping away something from someone that they will never, ever get back. You're, da- you're irreparably damaging someone. They, they'll, they'll heal, but they'll never be 100%. And th- these people are fucking monsters. And to further victimize someone, Dr. Charles Phelps, that is exactly what he did. He further victimized a victim. Yeah, so the Al Jazeera situation, they went on to do some really great reporting and talked about how Bob Jones University practices, preaches, and instructs a version of Christian counseling that rejects secular psychology. In the school's worldview, almost all mental problems beyond the medical ones are a result of sin. And demons. And this is explained in a 1996 book entitled Becoming an Effective Christian Counselor. And... It was written by Walter Fremont, who was the Dean of Education at Bob Jones University for 37 years. They have a page here about, um, it's in a section on incest and what the solutions are. So it says, when confronted with cases of abuse, counselors should take the following steps. One, let the victim tell the story fully. Two, make sure... So so far, so good. Yeah, great. <laughs> it's It's only going to get worse from here, trust me. Two, make sure that the blame is put where it belongs, on the older person who took advantage of the younger innocent person. That sounds good, too. Okay. Step three, explain that the sin. Uh Uh-oh. Here we go. (laughs) This this is the other thing. This is the other thing. I love that that getting to the bottom of deep-rooted psychological traumas can be handled with a one, two, three step system. Yeah. Step one. Yeah. Step two. Yes. Put the peanut butter on the bread. Step three. Put the two pieces of bread together. Simple. Step four. Eat your delicious peanut butter sandwich. Yeah. Christian psychology. <laughs> Just like making a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> so, step three. Explain that the sin was done to the body and can hurt the soul and spirit only if the victim chooses to dwell on the devil, thoughts of shame, blame, Fault, bitterness, and or guilt. It's the bitterness that fucking comes in and really gets to me. Yeah. Go ahead. Number four. 
If the victim has deceived either parent or both parents, he needs to confess and repent of his own sin. One example would be the case of a teenage girl who takes a bath only when her mother is away from the home and leaves the bathroom door unlocked, inviting the father's corruptness. Mm. Yeah. Great. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. Great. So they're going to put guilt on a, on a victim who's raped by her father because, well, did did you did you did you lock the door? Yeah. Oh, you didn't. You, you didn't. You well, didn't how'd you expect not to get molested? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you can't lay in there all naked and not expect to get your your, your genitals played with and violated. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm laughing, but it's tragic. Of course, it's tragic. Okay, but it's 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 so fucking ludicrous that it's laughable. Yeah, but, I mean, it's sad that these kind of a- assholes actually exist, but it's funny to make fun of their ridiculous levels of stupidity. Yeah, so let's just do step five just for the hell of it. <laughs> we might as well. We're, we've come this far. Yeah. Help the victim to deal with ingrained bitterness against God, and sometimes against the innocent parent, for not having prevented or stopped the incest by intervening. This bitterness may occur in rape victims as well. Yeah, right. it might. How dare you be bitter at your rapist for violating you and raping you? How dare you? That is sinful. You need to be happy and joyful and have a wonderful, warm countenance. Yeah, so I guess it's good that they um, emphasize that the blame lies with the abuser, but they also make clear that being sexually assaulted is no excuse for the sinful feelings of discontentment, hate, fear, and especially bitterness. Unresolved anger that, quote, in reality is rebellion and bitterness against God. So um, Katie Landry was just one person. They The Al Jazeera article goes on to talk about another girl who was instructed to ask her rapist for forgiveness by her uh. by her Bob Jones University counselor, Pat Berg. I don't know if she's how she's related to Jim Berg, who was the counselor in the last case we oh, just I'm, discussed. We'll look it up, but I wouldn't be surprised that they're husband and wife. They love to work in teams. Yeah. It's like a fucking circus act, a trapeze act. So this woman The amazing Berdinis. This woman, Sarah, was abused for several years as a child by a family member. She says she didn't even know what sex was. All she knew is that whatever was happening to her hurt and she didn't like it. And when she started at Bob Jones University in the late 2000s, she was haunted by flashbacks. Hang on. This is the late 2000s. This isn't 1852. We know about psychology. We live in modernity. I say this all the time. This is a modern age. It's like going to Al-Qaeda University. Oh, you're gay? Oh, we're going to tip this fucking brick wall on top of you until you're dead. It's it's almost no... Other than the violence of military action, there's no difference between this sect of Christianity and radical Islam. Sorry, go ahead. So she's saying that she was haunted by flashbacks, nightmares, and a deep fear of men, and she was excited to finally get help once she was at school. So just so anyone who isn't even that educated in psychology, when you hear someone had a trauma like a rape and is being haunted by flashbacks, nightmares, and a deep fear of men, I mean, what, what might be going on with that person? Um, I, I would Well, what I would think is if they're having flashbacks of the rape— And nightmares. Then— then they are replaying pornography in their mind. Yeah, that's what <laughs> that's what is going on here. Yeah. I mean, that's what she was told at Bob Jones University. Un 
fucking believable. What person in their right mind? Listen, there's got to be at least two people listening to this show. Well, there's at least three because there's three people sitting here right now. And now it's two. <laughs> I stopped listening a long fucking time ago. Uh, what person in their right mind is out there listening to this thinking, oh, is she she's having nightmares about her brutal rape? Oh, that's pornography. She's obsessing on pornographic images. That's It takes effort to get there. Yeah, it's obviously post-traumatic stress disorder, which is what I was getting at. I mean, any normal right. person is going to hear those and say, well, that sounds like post-traumatic stress disorder. Let's get you to a health professional where we can like really get into this well, and, you, and diagnose it and see where we what we can do with this. You would have to believe that post-traumatic stress disorder is a real thing. Which is something Bob Jones University rejects. Right. So this woman, she said that the impact of her two years of counseling with Pat Berg felt like being raped all over again. That's how she uh. described it. She said in their many sessions, Pat Berg was fixated on her sin and then blamed her when she failed to, quote, get better. Sarah and Pat Berg told her that she needed to repent of any pleasure she experienced during her abuse. And since Bob Jones University doesn't recognize psychiatric concepts like post-traumatic stress disorder, she said she was also told that she was choosing her trauma symptoms. You know, when I picture Pat Berg, I have in my mind the the image of Nurse Ratchet from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Just a dirty, heartless, devoid of emotion bitch. Yeah. And Pat Berg has she she told this woman to call her rapist and ask for forgiveness for the bitterness that she felt. To call her rapist and ask for forgiveness. It's um, almost criminal. It, it's a violation of her professional code as as an educator, for one. Yeah. But also as some kind of a mental health provider. She, it's. Yeah, and she denies saying that she said that, but Al Jazeera has published. Oh, yeah. No, hang on. This is great. She denied as a Christian, you're prohibited from lying. She denied saying that to this person. And then what happened? Well, she did say that. They came up with emails proving that she said it. Yeah. 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 The email says, I would suggest that you write out what you want to say in a letter. Then at some point in the conversation, you can say to him something like, quote, I called primarily because I want to read you a letter that I have written to you in response to a letter you wrote to me a long time ago. Please don't say anything until I have finished reading my letter to you. Then you can say to me anything you wish, end quote, and then read it to him. If you write it out in your letter, you can be sure in, in advance that it says exactly what you want to say, and there will be less chance that you mess it up. I think it would be best to say to him that since you have been at Bob Jones University this year, God has been working in your heart. God has shown you that you were wrong not to forgive him as Christ has forgiven you and that you want him to know that on the basis of the letter he sent you a long time ago, you forgive him. You can tell him that you are asking God to help you love him. Does that make sense? In other cases, I have offered to read the letter after the girl has written it to see if there is anything in it that might be taken the wrong way, but you don't need me to read it. I will if you like. I will be praying that the Lord will help you, but remember that God gives grace to the humble. You must humble yourself before God and not fight him. 
Mrs. Berg. And I would just like to note that at the end she says, I will be praying that the Lord will help you. I always love this thing where people pray that God will intervene in their life. She was raped. So if you can pray that God will help her on the phone call to the rapist, why wasn't God helping her while she was being raped? Yeah, pre-rape. I mean, honestly, can rape. someone please answer me back with that logic? Because no one has been able to. Well, no one can. And if you're praying for an intervention because you believe interventions can happen, then why can't other interventions happen? Right. I mean, honestly. Right. Well, she also says, God gives grace to the humble. This arrogant fucking bitch says, God gives grace to the humble. Well, I guess you're getting no grace, Mrs. Berg, because you are an arrogant fucking twat. So in the Al Jazeera article, they go on to say that the offenders are able to move on quickly. They say they're sorry, they repent, and so they go right back. And the victims continue to struggle in the aftermath. The victims are the ones that are seen to be in sin, struggling with fear, confusion, anger, talking about what happened, or any other reaction to trauma is seen as sin. The victims are expected to repent of those sins and live as though nothing happened. I mean, it's sickening. This whole thing is the ends justifying the means. Rather than point a giant magnifying glass and spotlight on the 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 rapists and the criminals and these violent predators we let's let's hide this let's keep this inside the church because we don't want a bad name for the church it's the ends justifying the means at all costs so this is just another case of it's not just the catholic church acting terribly to try to protect their reputation it's also fundamentalist Christianity. Yeah. Or Al-Qaeda Christianity, if you will. And it's so easy to, you know, have Christians hating Muslims, have, you know, Catholics scoffing at Mormons, but, uh, you know, they're all pretty flawed. Yeah. So you, it's, 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 <laughs> it's judge not lest ye be judged. You know, get the plank out of your own eye before you try to deal with the speck in the other person's eye. There you well, go. Well, if you have rape, if you're covering up rape and child molestation, that's not a speck. That's a fucking plank. You've got a goddamn house in your eye, and you're looking at your neighbor who, oh, well, they pray to saints. <laughs> You've all got your fucking problems. You, you need to deal with your mow your own fucking lawn before you worry about how how long your grass is, your neighbor's grass is. I need to calm down here. Apparently, I'm getting the stink eye. It means Brett was looking at me because only one of his eyes works. <laughs> so we're going to move on to Kansas, a Kansas story where they are sh if you if you live in a community like like I do, there are these little they look like little mini houses on on a post, like out in front of somebody's house. And they've got a little placard on them that says free little library and it's kind of a take a book, leave a book, like a book exchange yeah they're cute and they promote reading and they're super cool i think yeah well in kansas it's apparently not that easy these little libraries are popping up across the metro now they allow book lovers to borrow and share their favorite stories you may have seen one in your neighborhood but as kctv5's bricks fowler found out some of those miniature libraries may start to disappear because the people who are putting them in their yards may get fined for it. Can a library be illegal? 
The city of Leewood says yes. We came back to find a letter from code enforcement telling us that this was an illegal dwelling or structure. Brian Collins put up this little free library on Mother's Day in his front yard. It lets people leave or take a book whenever they want to. Given that nothing can dwell in here except maybe mice, I really didn't understand what that was all about. According to the city, people living in Leeward can't have a freestanding structure in their front yard. My neighbors think it's awesome. When they put it up, I thought it was kind of cool. Ken McGregor lives across the street. Then I noticed that the grandparents will sit there and read to their kids, and the kids will go up there and they'll look around, they'll pick up books, and they'll read, and it just seems like it's kind of fun. Not everyone thinks it's fun. Another neighbor told us off-camera he's glad the city is making Collins remove the library. Collins has to decide by Thursday whether to keep his little library or get rid of it. Quite frankly, I'm still debating whether or not I want to be cited and go to court. If Collins doesn't get rid of his library, he faces a fine. He hopes to work with the city to change the rules. A spokesperson for the city says the reason for the municipal code is to not only protect the integrity of the neighborhood, but to also make sure that nothing negatively affects the property values in Leewood. From Leewood, Brooks Fowler, KCTV 5 News. What's great about this, I mean, it's a terrible situation, but what I find very amusing, it's, it's almost like those stories that you hear when the little girl sets up her lemonade stand on the corner in front of her house. And the cops come around looking for the business license. It's get the fuck out of here. Are you you're really going to come down with uh, intrusive government regulation on someone who has a, a, a wonderful, it's a book loaning program. I mean, you're promoting education and, and reading and learning. Yeah, it's really ridiculous. It's stupid. Turds. Yeah. So get your shit together, Kansas. I mean, come on. I know it's not the Kansas the state but it kind of it kind of reminds me of my my house growing up we lived in a neighborhood where there's a neighborhood association yeah, yeah. right and one of the regulations in the neighborhood was that everyone needed to have a tree in their yard right and my dad very much loved our front yard and it was completely green it looked perfect all the time and there was no shrubbery of any kind in the yard and he kept getting letters in the mail saying, you know what, we're going to fine you if you don't plant a tree in the yard. You right. know, we're going to give you a fine. And he's he finally said, you know, F it. And he planted a little stick tree right in the middle of the yard that will never grow higher than like six feet. Right. Well, it, it's so a little turd tree. It's just a little stick. It's it's people who are obsessed with the letter of the law and not the spirit of the law. And th that's the problem. It's it's. <laughs> it's like people having a yard sale and cops showing up to get the business license again the yeah. lemonade stand the yard sale it's the spirit of the law is to people to have who have legitimate businesses they need to have a license to practice so the government so they can be accountable to the government so they're not frauding people and everything else yeah but if you have a lemonade stand or you're fucking having a yard sale you, the spirit of the law doesn't isn't for you that's not what it was intended for so there's no need to, to have zoning residential zoning practices that would have some overarching authority over this little thing that looks like a house that has a few books inside of it yeah yeah so get your shit together kansas seriously quickly and here's what we're going to wrap it up with a wonderful, heartwarming story, and I think we're going to start calling this segment The Florida Files. Mm -hmm. I think it's unanimous. 
we need to use like the Rockford Files theme song. What's the Rockford Files song? There we are. There it is. It's the Florida Files. And we are going to first let the serious journalists tell us what happened. As we come on the air, we're just starting to get our first answers in a murder mystery at a Pasco nudist resort. Deputies telling us a man killed his 74-year-old grandmother, wrapped up her body, and put it in the back of a minivan. We want to get right out to our Andrew Dowd with the new information we're just learning tonight. Andrew? I just spoke to the sheriff's office about 20 minutes ago. They say inside this gated community, deputies are still going through the house where they believe this murder happened. Meanwhile, neighbors are shocked that her grandson, Sylvia Schmidt's grandson, is now facing murder charges. It just, uh, it's unbelievable. This is a quiet community. Head down the road. Sheriff's deputies, police tape, and crime scene vans. Not what Frank Gallagher expected to see when he woke up this morning. It's not supposed to happen here. It's not supposed to happen anyplace, is it? Investigators believe 18-year-old Brandon Machetto murdered his grandmother, Sylvia Schmidt, inside her home. Early this morning, a neighbor told investigators he saw Machetto carry his grandmother's body hey, to this minivan before driving off. When deputies got to the house, they found blood inside and evidence of a struggle. They put out a silver alert, and around 10 this morning, a deputy spotted her minivan with Machetto behind the wheel. But the teen would not pull over until he was back inside Paradise Lakes, not far from the house he left hours earlier, his grandmother's body still inside the van. It's just so heartbreaking to lose someone like that. While Schmidt's friends cope with her loss, investigators are trying to piece together exactly what happened. I used to see him and his grandmother together all the time. All the time, never, never a problem. But deputies say there was an issue in the past. They say in 2012, they were called to the house after Machetto got into an argument with Schmidt. In that case, she was not hurt. Now neighbors want to know what drove Machetto to allegedly kill a woman they say was only trying to help. She'll be so missed. And at this point, investigators have still not said how they believe she was murdered. We're live in Pasco County, Andrew Dowd, ABC Action News. Andrew Daddy, ABC Action News, everybody. What, you know, what really freaks me out about this story, and it really is emblematic of Florida, is that they don't go into detail to answer the questions that I have, which is, what the fuck, what kind of a state is going on where there's nudist colonies for people to be murdered in? She, this kid murders his grandma at her nudist colony and then drives around with her dead body before being arrested by the police. I mean, this has Florida ingrained in the story, and it's so every day. Listen, I live in a whack job area of Southern California. If a kid m murdered his nudist grandmother and drove around with her dead body, the story would be talked about. If this was to take place in my area, a lot of these oddities, if you will, would be talked about. But they're they're so commonplace in Florida that 
They don't even get mentioned. That's why we have a Florida Files segment because they're so popular. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's I guess that's why we have the Florida segment. That is what makes Florida such a groovy place. Apparently, it's a groovy place for grandsons Ooh. to kill their grandmas. I have more questions about that story than I have answers. <laughs> there needs to be some more investigation. Yeah. I have a lot of why questions. Brett wants to know if he was unhappy with what he saw. No, I think maybe, <laughs> I think Brett really wants to know what the enrollment in the nudist colony situation and is. What are the monthly dues? Now, what's the deal? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, there's no age cutoff. I wonder if there's a weight limit. Yee! Was he a nudist? Was the grandson a nudist as well? That's, that's a legit question. I think this is probably a drug-fueled rampage because they love meth the guy in that Florida. Was in You know what? They think he may have suffered from a traumatic brain injury. Mm. Yes, because his martial arts instructor for seven years. (laughs) 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 Oh, my God. Oh, that's great. All I picture is is fucking uh, the the martial arts instructor from... uh, from Napoleon Dynamite with the fucking America flag Zumba Zumba's on. <laughs> yeah, well, his martial martial arts instructor for seven years said that he nearly died a few years ago when he was attacked by a group of teens who hit him in the back of the head with a rock. Well, maybe they were pissed off that he was walking around with no clothes on. With his grandma. Well, maybe. Get that green bush out of here. Maybe he has a traumatic b- brain injury and kind of lost it a little bit and just killed his grandma. He, he definitely lost it a little bit. I would say that's an accurate, uh, an accurate response. The grandson and the grandmother were fighting because she was trying to get him to take his medication. Oh, okay. So there is a mental illness element to this that they're not talking about on this local bullshit newscast. Yeah, he had been accused of domestic violence in 2012, but they, she dropped the charge. They, they did say that, yeah. So, All right, well, good to go, Florida. So if it's not the Florida people who are fucking it up, it's the Florida newscast reporting on the Florida people who are fucking it up. You can count on us, though, audience. We are there for you. I Doubt It With Dollamore is dedicated to the truth. Yeah. All right, this has been the Religious Roundup. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we are going to wrap it up with that. This has been episode 33. 657-464-7609 is the number. If there's anything that you would like to input, give your input on, um, there is iTunes if you'd like to leave a profanity-free review. We always like that. Uh, not so much the profanity-free, but, you know, we're bound by iTunes. We do what we got to do. Yeah, yeah. We know. Or you do what you got to do. We's be selling out. Get with us up in the top left-hand corner of the page. There's a contact Brittany and Jesse link. Get the, Go there if you'd like to contact us. As always, the dollamore.com page at the top left, also has an Amazon search bar. If you'd like to buy a book, of course, Amazon sells books. But if you'd like to buy a brand new set of Venetian blinds for your house, I'm sure that Amazon could do the job for you. They would be beautiful. And you could probably get different colors. Maybe red Venetian blinds. You know, that's the new color. Red. 
Yeah, it is. It's a new color. Yeah, it's brand, brand new. Brand new. Never heard of. Yeah. It's fresh. What does it look like? It, uh, not quite orange. Oh, okay. And not... It looks kind of red. Oh, yeah. Okay, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Goddamn, that was terrible. That was terrible. <laughs> That's a perfect place to leave the show right there. Please. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It. It is hotter than a fucking nutsack in here.